Willkommen, Wiener, to Kvasir's Corner, your gateway to the Viking Age. I'm Jacob, and once again, by popular demand, we have Jay back with us. <laughs> Is it popular demand or because nobody else was available? <laughs> Stay tuned oh, to find out. <laughs> Stay tuned to find out. Yes, indeed. So, um, we are continuing our our journey through the, the prose edda. And we, we just uh, last episode finished talking about uh, the kind of cosmos before uh, the creation of the world and before uh, before humanity and all that stuff. And we will dive right back in after a word from our presenters, the Viking Encampment. Kvasir's Corner is presented by Minnesota's own Viking Encampment. If you'd like to stay up to date with the encampment and get more fun and informational Viking content, please follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Viking Encampment, as well as on Twitter and TikTok at Viking Encamp MN. If you've been enjoying Kvasir's Corner or any of our other content, such as our Hell or High Water Dungeons and Dragons series, please consider supporting us on Patreon. We have many different support levels, each with special exclusive rewards for your support. These include early content access, behind-the-scenes content, access to the VE's private Discord server, digital hangouts with the Vikings, and, at the highest level, the status of honored guest at our, at our in-person events. If you love our digital and in-person content, and would like to see us expand to create even more, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash Viking Encampment. Thank you for all your support. Skull. Wow, don't those social media handles and Patreon sound amazing, Jay? Heck yeah, they do. Yep, everyone should check all that out. Check out Hell or High Water. Check out the Patreon. All great stuff. So, we'll dive right back into the Prosetta. So, we left off uh, last time with the the emergence of um, Odin and his brothers, uh, Vili and Vey. Um, so, you know, going into their, their genealogy a little bit and how they they appeared from, well, their grandfather, Buri, appeared from a block of ice and then <laughs> had uh, Bor who was the father of Odin, Vili, and Ve. So at, at this moment, the, the world, the universe, consists of Ganungagap, which, if you remember from last time, was just this yawning, dark, empty void. You have Muspelheim, which is the realm of fire, and, you know, think volcanoes and lava and ash, and Hawaii. You could think Hawaii. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a little more just on fire than than Hawaii yeah. generally is. Think of um, Hawaii, but completely and totally on fire. Yeah, there you go. There we go. <laughs> um, and then there's the the uh, the next realm of uh, Niflheim, which is just, let's be honest, it's Minnesota. Um, yeah, all the time. Think no. Hawaii, but uh, ice. Icy Hawaii. Icy yeah. Hawaii. We yep. got Ice Hawaii versus Fire Hawaii. Fire Who will win? <laughs> uh, I like that. <laughs> so Nif- Niflheim, the realm of ice and mist and cold, coldness. Um, and then you have the giant, the frost giant, Ymir, um, and his 
clan of, of frost giants who came from his sweaty armpits. His armpit kids. Yeah, his armpit kids. And then you have the these other beings, the children of Buri, or the grandchildren of Buri, Odin, Vili, and Vey. And then you also have the, the cow Tumla, who I assume is still here. Uh, they don't really yeah. mention the cow after saying that Ymir uh, feeds from the cow's milk. But I'd assume that the cow is still there. I would assume so. She's just grazing. Just having a time. Having a time indeed. <laughs> just being living her best cow life. Yep. So, you know, there's this nothingness. There's these few beings. And then there are the two really inhospitable um, realms. And mm-hmm. that, at this moment, makes up the, the Norse universe. And, you know, while this may be all well and good for a, a wizened, wise frost giant such as Emir and his, his cow friend, um, the, the sons of Bor, Odin, Vili, and Ve, they want something a little bit more out of this. They want just regular Hawaii. Yeah, they just want the normal Hawaii. They want the Hawaii where <laughs> humanity lives mm-hmm. and has a great time. So they decide that something needs to be done about this, this empty void. And so, um, <clears throat> excuse me. And so going back to the, to the, the prose Edda here, um, the king Gilfi, hidden behind the, the alias of Gang Liri, which if those names and things confuse you, go back and listen to last, last episode and you'll, you'll be all cut up to speed. Haha. Uh-huh. Like, like my plug there? That was good. That yep. was really good. Very, very smooth. So <laughs> the the king, uh, Gilfi, asks the, the three kings of the Aesir, so how did all these, these beings get along together? Who among them was the most powerful? And the, the king of the Aesir, whose name was High, if you remember, uh, says, the sons of Bor killed the giant Emir. So they did not get along. Very no, they didn't well. get along very well, um, <laughs> very well at all. And yeah. I would assume that this slaying of the father of the all the frost giants uh, is kind of the stepping stone for the animosity between um, the the Norse gods and the Jotuns throughout the mythology. Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I would agree. Yeah. I mean, well, cause you know, at the beginning, you know, it was like Emir had all this time to spawn more and more of his armpit kids. So there was tons of these frost giants rolling around. Mm-hmm. And by the time old and William Bay were born, you know, there was all of like six, not frost giants. Mm-hmm. And so they probably were like, Hey, can we have more people like us? <laughs> And they're like, no. They're like, no, get out of here. You can't survive here. It's too cold. It's too cold. Uh, So, yeah, the multitude of of giants, frost giants who emerge from from Ymir. Following Ymir's death, there's going to be a lot fewer frost giants. Uh, So, quoting again from, from the prose Edda, when he, meaning Ymir, fell, so much blood gushed from his wounds that with it they drowned all the race of the frost giants except for one who escaped with his household. 
So that sounds a lot like another person who had to deal with a flood. Oh, are we finding more Christian correlations in the mythology? I didn't even think about that until just now. And I was like, huh, one person who escaped a flood with his household. I mean, granted, this one was a flood of blood, which is a bit more dramatic. Gotta be Viking. Yeah. Yeah, I I also just realized now in the reading of it that, Yeah. yeah, it's... Where you kind of go, wait a second. We just made it disgusting. Yeah, because you got the beginning, like in the beginning of the Bible, you know, the reason Mm -hmm. that God sent the flood was because the people there were sinful and evil. Mm -hmm. And then we've got the frost giants who, as we continue on, they are like the number one enemy of the Aesir. Ah, it all makes sense now. Yep, it's all coming together. More connections. And, and while crazy. we're talking, while we're talking about um, connections between, you know, the animosity between the Aesir and the gods versus the frost giants, I read an interesting article a while ago. If I can find it, I'll post it in the in the notes. Uh, if I mm. can find it again, um, but it was explaining a potential uh, kind of real life correlation between these myths. Um, and and hist- a historical event. So, uh, you know, Scandinavia was and still is inhabited by an indigenous people known as the Sami. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'll, regrettably, my Sami knowledge is not as as um, good as as it should be, to put it simply. Uh, so, there's this indigenous population called the Sami. And then the the Norse um, migrate into Scandinavia, or the people who would become the Norse migrate into Scandinavia. And there's this theory that um, they, you know, these two groups made war with each other uh, to kind of set up, you know, kingdoms and boundaries and things. Um, And so the theory is that the myths about uh, Jotuns and Aesir and the gods being at war is derived from these conflicts between the Sami and the early Norse or the Norse ancestors. There also parallel to that, there is um, another theory that the Sami are supposed to be representative of the Vanir gods and the, the Aesir are supposed to be the, the Norse ancestors. I have heard that theory before. Yeah. Yeah. So, I need to find that article again now because that was actually yeah. very, very interesting reading. But, you know, an interesting kind of... Is dichotomy the right word? I don't know. No, I don't, I don't think it is. If if it is right, I'm sure people will tell me in the comments. Yeah, but, definitely. But it, it's an inter- interesting dynamic where, uh, you know, real events or life events that would have happened to, to Norse ancestors could have influenced their mythology and their kind of worldview system, which is then being translated by Snorri, who has a different worldview system. Uh, so just an in- interesting, interesting thing that I'm sure we could go on for a little bit longer on, but we're going to move move ahead with the, with the Edda. Hmm. 
So oh, yeah, the thing that we're here to talk about. Yeah, I about not, that. <laughs> exactly. The thing that we're actually supposed to be doing. Whoops. Oopsie. Nerd tangents. So <laughs> uh, the the frost giant patron, the god of the frost giants, you could say, um, is slain by Odin Velian Vey. And all the frost giants are wiped out except for Noah the frost giant, um, <laughs> who in, in the Edda is named Burglmir. And so Burglmir, uh, with his wife, climb up onto a wooden box. And in this box, <laughs> they they wait out the flood of Ymir's blood. And they have then two of each animal. Two of each animal. Two two Althumlas. That's all they needed. <laughs> two Althumlas. Yep. That, that's where she went. She went yeah, with Yeah, she them. was in the box. There oh, that makes go. sense. Uh, so they, the race of frost giants survive. Uh, because Burglemir and his wife climb onto a wooden box and they outlast the the flood of blood from the slain Emir. And then once the the brothers, Odinvili and they, uh, finish their work, they um, find a, a home and a new place to live in this new realm that um, that has now been created in the void. So the three brothers now bored because they killed probably the only other person around mm-hmm. um, decided to get very creative with uh, arts and crafts yep, with what remains. So Jay, what, what happened? What is going on here in this portion of the Edda? What do they do? So this part of the Edda uh, talks about how the Norse people believed the world itself was created. Um, and the story says that Olden Villian Vey took Emir's body after the 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 blood of flood the flood of blood, which oh, by the way, tangent quickly yeah. is a really great name for a metal band. Just putting that out there. Um, there you go. <laughs> anyway, so after the flood, you know, they take Emir's body and they divide it into pieces, and um, each part of his body becomes this, you know, an element of the, or the earth. Um, so his, let's see, where is it? Uh, so uh, they took Ymir and moved him into the middle of Ganunga Gap, which, you know, is the great nothingness between Muspelheim and Niflheim, mm-hmm. where all of creation thus far has taken place. Um, and from his blood, they made the sea and the lakes. The earth was fashioned from the flesh, the mountains and mountain cliffs from the bones. They made stones and gravel from teeth, the molars, and those bones that were broken. So, you know, just taking apart his body, making mm-hmm. making a, a, a viable uh, living, a new Hawaii yep, out of it. The new Hawaii, the <laughs> ultimate recycling program. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh so it just goes on to talk about, you know, the blood that gushed freely from the wounds. They made the sea, and by fashioning that sea, they belted and fastened the earth. Most men would think it was impossible to cross over this water. This because it's the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, it's big. So uh, his skull, they took the, the top of Ymir's skull and made it the sky. Um, they took his brains, flung it into the sky, and that became the clouds. Um, his hair became trees. Um, all of his, you know, like I said, his bones and teeth became mountains and rocks. 
Um, so really just I, I kind of making it, you know, when we look out into the world being like, oh, this is something that I have. We're connected to the earth in this way because this is flesh and, and, and hair and bones, mm -hmm. like kind of connecting humans to the world. Mm -hmm. um, it then also goes on to talk about uh, the four dwarves that they placed um, at each corner of the sky, which I don't think, I don't know if the prose edit talks about how the dwarves were made, but how, how dwarves yeah. came about was that as Emir's flesh started to rot, uh, maggots crawled forward and they be they evolved into the the dwarves. Um, so super cool. Maggoty dwarves. <laughs> super super awesome. Get that out uh, of your head next time you watch The Hobbit. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, thinking about that, it makes the whole scene in the Lord of the Rings where they're showing how they make the orcs makes that seem a little bit not as gross considering yeah. how dwarves are made yep <laughs> um so they put four dwarves in each corner of the sky to hold up the skull um and they're called east west north and south um let's see they took the embers and sparks shooting out of Muspelheim and flying randomly they placed it in the middle of the ganunga sky both above and below, so light up, so to light up heaven and earth. So they took Muspelheim and all the sparks coming at it and put it into the sky. It became like, you know, the 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 light that we see in the sky. Mm -hmm. It's not the sun. We we learn about the the sun and the moon uh, later, mm -hmm. um, which I don't think we're gonna get to this episode, but we'll probably talk about it in another episode. Yeah. Yep. Um. So, yeah, just kind of talking about, like, how the world came to be in, in a very practical sense. I mean, um, it does, it, it's very um, violent mm -hmm. <laughs> in a way, which, I mean, I guess considering the culture of the Norse people makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it is interesting because I think there's a lot that could be interpreted just about the Norse kind of mindset and the Norse psyche just from this creation. Mm -hmm. So you, on the one hand, there is the inherent violence of killing Emir, which, you know, it's violent, obviously. Mm -hmm. But from that violence springs life in a different way. So, you know, it's... People could try and interpret that of vi you know maybe the norse considered violence an essential part of life or a natural mm -hmm. part of kind of the life cycle yeah which would fit within their their militarized society um and and things of that nature i yeah. i like the point that you made <clears throat> about how you know when they're creating the world out of emir um and just the the various parts of him uh, creating the mountains and the trees and things how you you mentioned that it would connect the the audience and the reader to to the world and like oh yeah we we have trees yeah uh, yeah we see that and yeah it it speaks to a mm, well i don't 
I don't know if that would make the Norse seem too simplistic or not. But the fact that the world is alive. Yeah. Or... Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, the Norse, the, the ancient Norse people, I mean, they were a little bit more simple, simplistic. Um, you know, obviously, uh, human beings have evolved a lot since then. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, going around, they they were like everybody else in the world at the time, just trying to make sense of everything. And so the way that they were able to make sense was to say this world around us is a, is a being, it's a living being. Mm -hmm. This is the flesh. These are the bones, these are the, the hair, you know, that's how they could make sense of everything. Cause that's something they understood themselves. Cause they have those things too. Yeah. So it, it's interesting. And this is, a divergence a, a little bit but you know how we in the modern day with you know science and scientific methods and all that we can see and prove that the earth is alive and you know yeah. things on earth are living and there's all these kind of life cycles and that the ancient norse people could also had that understanding uh with just kind of observation um so to, to me that's just an interesting thing about how humans can observe their surroundings mm -hmm. and be, you know, be correct about their, yeah. what, you know, what, what's right there in front of them and be able yeah, to. Especially way back then when they didn't have, you know, the scientific advancements to, yes. that we have now. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So this, this living, this living world is created by, by the three brothers um, and now the, the gap is, it has stuff in it. There is places to live. There is life. There are light and, and things that, um, were like Hawaii. <laughs> uh, and what, on what that day, that? Hawaii came to be. Hawaii was born. <laughs> I, yeah, that was a great analogy I chose. Hawaii. <laughs> but. So there, there's this, this realm, there's these different worlds, there's the uh, Midgard, Middle Earth, which is the, the realm of humanity uh, now. Mm -hmm. But at the time, it was, was empty. There was this, this space for things to live, but there was no one to live there. Yeah. So the three brothers had one more, one more task to kind of, well not complete their creation there was more to do but to kind of put a nice little stamp a little cherry on the top of of everything they had done mm -hmm. so far uh and so the the edda says that the the sons of boar were walking along the seashore and they found two two trees two pieces of driftwood uh on on the beach they lifted the logs from from the beach and they created people uh, the first of the sons of Bor uh, gave them breath and life. The second gave them intelligence and movement. And the third gave them form, speech, hearing, and sight. So the, the first son uh, is Odin. He was mm -hmm. the first of, of Bor's children. And he breathed the, uh, the, the breath of life into humanity and humankind. Mm -hmm. um, and then I believe the second son is, is Vili. Yeah, Vili. Yeah. Vili gave them intelligence and the ability to move and function. And then they gave them the ability to speak 
and to hear and to see. So he gave them uh, the the senses. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I know. I think it's also interesting that uh, Ve was also the one that like shaped them into what people look like. Yes, that is also interesting. So they, yeah. you know, he he took these logs of of wood and he carved a human. He, sa- he said, "Doesn't look right." Yeah. <laughs> this isn't it. We got to change it. <laughs> I'm gonna put a belly button on there. What's a belly? You may ask. Don't We're worry about it. Figure it it's out. Where the, it's where the belly button goes. <laughs> that's the entire purpose of the human midsection it's just, exactly it's for that it's just to house the belly button <laughs> um so the the three brothers they create these beings uh the first uh well not the first they were created simultaneous simultaneously yeah. but um the one that was carved from the the ash tree uh was made a a, a man and they called him Ask, which means ash, ash tree, ash wood. And the the second second tree was of elm, or yeah, of elm. Mm-hmm. And so this was the the woman, and they named her Embla, which means elm. And so these are the the common ancestor of humanity. These are the the Norse Adam and Eve, which I will point out, Adam and Eve. Ask an Embla, more connections. Yeah, we've yeah. got episodes coming about that. Don't. Oh yeah. Don't you worry. They're on the way. And My mom's gonna join. Uh huh. Very learned person, from what I understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> mom, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> got you in trouble. So. Uh. So now there are, there's humans. Humans now live in, in Midgard and they can, can go about and populate this, this new world that the, the three brothers, Odin, Vili, and Ve, have created from the bones and flesh of Ymir, the frost mm-hmm. giant. And so that really kind of wraps up the, the Norse creation myth you know there's more um that we'll go go into more detail on um in in the next episode but you know the the world is created there are realms there are people to inhabit it um there's still the frost giants they are still around they're still somewhere but they aren't in kind of a position of power like they had been and you know Again, talking about the animosity between the the Aesir and the, the Vanir and the gods versus the Jotuns, there I have to wonder from a psychological standpoint of mythological beings, because that's fun to do. Um, <laughs> you know, the the obvious kind of animosity of we were great once and then you ruined that. Mm. Um, I wonder, do you do you ever get a sense, Jay, of that kind of coming through? Um, or, I don't know, I've never been able to find anything in any of the mythology that kind of examines the Jotuns in any concrete way. And it's an interesting subject yeah. to me. Yeah, I haven't really been able to find much. I think, um, I mean, a lot of it is 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 being able to, you know, 
try to make some sort of divide between good and evil. Mm-hmm. You know, the Yoltons are more often than not the bad guys of the stories. I mean, there are definitely times where they'll, you know, the Aesir go and they they are able to, you know, converse with, with Yoltons and everything's fine, but they definitely don't do it out of, you know, oh, I'm just going to go pop down to Steve's house for some tea. <laughs> no, it's like, oh, I got to go talk to the flipping Yoltons, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, it, I, I've not really found much um, more of a concrete explanation to them and their role in mm-hmm. the stories, but... It is a very interesting, yeah. different, very interesting thing to think about. And there's also the the fact that, um, you know, there there's obvious intercultural connection between the two groups, which mm-hmm. again, in in my mind, gives credence to the the Sami versus uh, ancestral Norse people. Yeah, because there there are a lot of parallels between that experience where. Yes, there was hostility, but there was also interconnection. There was intermarriage and, and things of that nature between yeah. both the, the Norse gods and the Jotuns yeah, and, well, and the Norse and the, uh, the Sami. Yeah, because even as we'll, we'll learn later, Loki, who's one of the, the Aesir gods, um, he was a Jotun. Mm-hmm. And then he and Odin made a blood pact and became blood brothers. Um, so, yeah, that's a good good way of of tying that into what you were saying. Yeah. So to, uh, as we're quickly running out of time to kind of wrap it up. So the Norse world is created. Humanity exists. Frost giants exist. And now some shenanigans can happen. <laughs> so many shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And I am very excited to, to delve into to all of those stories because there are some gems in here. I'm sure they get um, pretty wild. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the audience is when when we're discussing them, they they'll probably recognize most of them. Yeah. Um, but they're always fun, always fun to look at, always fun to discuss. And uh, I look forward to discussing that probably with you still, Jay. Yay! <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, uh, so thank you, thank you again for coming back on, Jay. I always appreciate having you. Uh, it's all, yes, always yes. Thank time. you. And, I enjoy doing this yeah and thank you the listener for tuning in once again to another episode of kvasir's corner